Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest is Jamie Collier. As the self-proclaimed metaverse maven, Jamie has spent the last seven years building relationships with and hiring the people who build the metaverse as we know it today. As a A slash VR and video game recruiter, her clients include Microsoft, Magic Leap, Oculus, Roblox, Minecraft, Halo, and her creative passion lies within the realms of 3D art, animation, and VFX. Along with creating limitless words with their clients, Jamie is an advocate for Web 3.0 education and works closely with the Vegas tech community to inform users of new technologies with more secure options. As a gamer mom of a 14-year-old Roblox builder, Jamie is also developing curriculum for middle and high school students on blockchain and metaverse using real-world NFT collaborations and experiences. And dang, you are so fascinating, Jamie. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I have been so excited about this since you invited me to come on. Looking forward to it for sure. I'm so excited. This is this conversation has been one I'm really excited about because this is the talk and what the heck is an NFT? What is the metaverse? What is virtual reality and what that means for the future? <laughs> yeah. So first and foremost, tell listeners how did you get into this craziness? Where did this come from? I kind of fell into it. I think I feel like that's what a lot of people say. Yeah. Um, I have been in people operations, building talent teams, um, mostly for startups and small mid-sized companies for about 15 years. Um, I have a degree in communications. And so I enjoy people. I enjoy just interacting with them, making those connections like a matchmaker. I was really good at that um, and seeing how <laughs> all the pieces worked. And then I ended up getting hired uh, about seven years ago for a, an agency in Seattle. And my first, they, they worked with a number of big clients. And I said, okay, I'm going to switch from, I was a front-end developer at the time, UX, UI designer, building a lot of WordPress sites and a lot of websites and doing cool stuff. And then they said, hey, do you want to get paid to hire people to build cool stuff? And I said, sure, cool. Sure. My first client right out of the gate was Microsoft. And at the time, I was working with that, well, the team that I got selected to work with was HoloLens. And people hadn't really heard of HoloLens because it was in R&D at the time, seven, eight years ago. I'm losing track of time. COVID messed it all up. <laughs> I know. Oh, wait, what year is it? What month is it? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, what day is it? Um, yes. And so they, they showed me this prototype of a headset in augmented, well, they were calling it mixed reality at the time. And I put it on and I just, it blew my mind. The graphics at that time were not even what they are today. And I'm, I instantly knew that that was the future of where we were going. Before seeing Ready Player One, it was before the movie came out, before I had read the book, oh, no. before any of that, I put on a headset and went, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And at the time, I was also working with, they also put me on the Halo team and Forza and Minecraft, because Microsoft owns all of those. And we worked with a number of indie studios like Undead Labs and Stoic. That's so cool. Oh my God. As a gamer myself, I, it was like a <laughs> yes. fangirl, like dream job. I'm like, wait, <laughs> this is so exciting. You're paying me to basically talk to the people who are building the games that I like. I was such a fangirl. Um, still am, by the way. Of course. So um, I got to see a lot of, I got to understand, first of all, how a video game worked, a really big video game like Halo, right? There's so many moving pieces and how that technology then would power augmented and virtual reality and the worlds that we could create and we are creating today. Behind the scenes over the last seven years, I've gotten to hire people for, like you said, Roblox, Halo, Fort, the, so many, too many to name. I was like, if I name them all, I'm just trying to name the big ones so that people know. <laughs> right. And a lot of indie studios that have been most recently in blockchain 
uh, technology and metaverse worlds like Star Atlas on Solana, which is the crypto. And just seeing the power of the technology evolve has been exciting, but also what we can create within that. And fast forward to today, I now coming into 2022, got the opportunity to start consulting in the design aspects of it and putting teams together to say, okay, what do these spaces look like that we want to live and socialize and, you know, buy things in and hang out with our friends in and whatever that is. Uh, And so now bringing you up to today, I literally just get to have the conversation like we're having here right now of what is the metaverse? (laughs) <laughs> about 7 million times a day. Of course. Okay. Not that many. There's not that many hours in the day, but yeah, I, I a lot. <laughs> I feel very lucky to have just got to work with some of the coolest people over the years who were also excited about what, you know, the next iteration of the internet looks like being 3D, being immersive and all of that and just seeing how that interacts with our daily life and the things around us. So, Oh, that's a lot, right? Uh, we can dig a little bit deeper, but that's how I got started. And as a recruiter, you just get to, you know, you're always networking, you're always asking questions, you're always, and so I got to really see a lot of behind the scenes look at the stuff that was being built and the technology that it was being built on and who was building it and where they were going and all of that. So it's been a really fun journey for sure. Now, before we deep dive into like, what the heck is the metaverse and everything, <laughs> I want to talk about, because especially like being a resume writer, I deal with people like changing careers all the time. How did you go from, you graduated with communications, you got into software development, and then like you said, you fell into recruiting, but how did that transition happen or sure. what steps kind of went into that? Well, the easiest part for me was understanding the technology. So I, as a communications major, I I like talking to a lot of people. And I was kind of in my early on in my career, I was like an office manager, um, lived in Georgia for a time, you know, my ex-husband Air Force and when we were married with a young daughter. So I was like like kind of an office manager, people operations manager. So I I was good at that. Okay. And then I actually moved to Seattle about, oh gosh, 12 years ago. 10 years ago, I don't know, losing track of time again, a number of years ago, I'll have to look on LinkedIn Yes, and worked with in a people operations capacity for a startup called Julep. Okay. It was started out as office manager, this title that I had had that then transferred over. I jumped into a startup of 28 people and we grew to 150 within like two years, got funded like 40 million in funding. We're all over the news. So my, this is a piece of advice. Don't get stuck on a job title right. because my office manager title grew into director of human operations in like six months because in a startup space, there's just so much room for growth. So coming off of that, moving to Vegas 10 years ago, that just kind of morphed into, hey, you know how to hire people. Oh, but you also kind of know about startups. Oh, but you also kind of know tech. And I started writing code on my own as a blogger. I loved fashion. And I was like, how do you you know, create your own website. So it was these naturally curious pieces on top of just, you know, how can I grow? What can I learn? Uh, that kind of mentality that when it came time to, you know, when I was talking, I was actually interviewing with this agency for a developer role at Microsoft. Okay. Right. I had applied for this developer role. And then I saw that the same agency, Ronstad Technologies, it's not, they're awesome. They're huge. Yes. It's not a secret. Um, <laughs> they are great. They are really, really great. Uh, I almost wish I didn't leave, but that's a whole other story. They're, they're fantastic. So call me, call me. Just kidding. Um, so 
when I was interviewing with the recruiter, her name is Julie. She's fantastic. She um, she was the one who had these close relationships with HoloLens and all these creatives that they didn't really know what to do with. So as I'm interviewing with her, she says, oh, actually, no, I had seen it then post for a technical recruiter. And so I was in my second or third interview with her going through this process, getting ready. And I said, you know what? Would you be open to me? you know, applying for this technical recruiter role, because I think I'd be really good talking to people the way that you're talking to me. Um, And I understand most of the tech I'm interviewing for a tech role. Right. And she's like, absolutely. So (laughs) she helped me walk through that process. I think I went through six interviews. They wanted to make sure that I was really serious about moving into people operations and recruiting, and I was going to stick with it. And so for me, it was just kind of painting that picture of I'm done being an engineer for right now. Yes, I am willing to stick with what you're giving me next. That was the story I had to craft. And oh gosh, seven years later, I haven't gone, I I barely code anymore. Let's just say that I can, I can do it if I need to, I can dabble, I can create, but I've been a recruiter, right? A people person ever since. So it was just taking what I had and being able to craft a story that made sense for them once I jumped off that and started talking to people and she said, cool, now you get to talk to animators and 3D artists and people who draw zombies for a living. And I'm like, that's a this thing. Is so cool. <laughs> what? So I haven't looked back for sure. Well, and I love that part of the curiosity, like you taught yourself all of these things because I feel like when you get older or become an adult, so to say, we're all trying to figure it out, right? But you lose that sense of curiosity that you had mm-hmm. as a kid and just like, oh, well, I have to work this corporate job. You know, you could have stayed communications and stayed that route, which nothing's wrong with that. But even people I talk to all the time, it's, well, I want to do this. I'm really passionate about it. I'm like, okay, well, like you can make your passion a full-time job. It's Mm -hmm. just going to take you some steps to get there. But yeah. And it sounds like you being like the yes, not necessarily like a yes person, but like a open to opportunities. Like, yeah, let's have a conversation. Let's network, whatever. Just Mm -hmm. really got you to where you are today. Exactly. I think it's the open-mindedness and the curiosity that I don't think anyone, you should always have that. Once I get bored and stagnant, I'm not showing up like for in any area of my life. So I just constantly, as soon as I start to get bored with something, I'm like, next. Yeah. I'm like, what is it about (laughs) it? So I'm I'm now at, at my age, I'm like, and where I'm at in my career, I'm just constantly aligning with the things that get me so excited, which is this, right? This conversation, because I can't imagine doing it any other way. So I'd rather, right. I'd rather go all in on the things that I think are cool and find a way to make money at it <laughs> than get stuck in something that I, you know, that I'm like, oh, Monday again, right? Right. I spent years of my life doing some of those types of jobs where I was like, man, I feel stuck. But it was the creative hobbies and, you know, learning new things that kept me engaged that ultimately led to other projects, other clients, and then what I'm doing today. Where we are today. So talk to us simplified questions just based on when I told people I was having you on the podcast, they're like, I know nothing about this. Like, it doesn't matter. My grandmother said this down to my friends, down to people even younger. But what exactly is the metaverse? If you can give us a simplified version of what it is and where is it going in the future? The metaverse is just a 3D digital space where people are going to socialize, they're going to, you know, work, they're going to engage, they're going to build communities. Simplified, it's the next version of the internet in 3D. Okay. It's not tied to, a lot of people think, oh, metaverse, that's tied directly to virtual reality. That means a clunky headset, like Ready Player One. That's the only thing it is. In reality, would I explain this? To most people, uh, think about the Oculus headset on your face right now as a VCR that you put your VHS tapes into. Like, I don't know how many people, maybe your grandma, but I don't know how many people aside from 
four of us who own a VCR or even know what that technology is today. But at one point it was like, wow. And then it was CDs and it was Blu-ray DVDs. And it was like all these things, right, that we... Okay, maybe I'm dating myself teens a bit, but going back, I'm like, that's like wearing a VCR on your head. So think right. of the future as tied to your laptop, your phone, um, augmented reality glasses, your Apple Watch, uh, the internet of things, right? Your smart fridge, your TV, all of those things interacting. And you are going to be in a world that your websites, whatever we call a website in the next five years will be in a 3D immersive environment. So really right now, when people are thinking the metaverse, I believe web 3.0 metaverse is how web 2.0 internet. We don't call the internet the World Wide web anymore. It's just a word where your digital world interacts with your physical world, the reality, the physical reality around you. So that could mean, you know, an augmented reality app on your phone that things pop up and you are interacting. It could mean that you do put on a device and you're completely in an, an environment and immersive could be an augmented reality. Or as I've been talking to filmmakers recently, it could also be like this 4d movie experience where you've got maybe things coming at you and things jumping out and, uh, you know, yeah. augmented reality glasses, but you've got like wind and fire and, Maybe not fire. That sounds terrible in the theater. Um, anyway, <laughs> now, scratch that from the podcast. No, no, no fire. fire. No fire. Bubbles. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and so we're, we're exploring these realities, really, mm -hmm. that are just a lot more immersive than a static flat screen. And it's funny because as we're, we, we all think of our phones and, you know, scrolling and left and right, up and down for the way that we interact with our interfaces but at the basic level, it's just the next iteration of that technology in more of an immersive 3D environment. And so that's the world that we're building. It doesn't apply to everyone. There will be some people that are, can never get used to that technology, but the younger generation has grown up with, like Gen Z right. and even Gen Alpha has grown up with this. They're used to it. Um, and so we're just preparing a world for them to continue to thrive, ideally. So what does that look like for, especially since you're this consultant and you have your own business doing that, what does that look like for maybe like a snippet of a potential client you would work with of, hey, I want to build this community. How does that even work? That's a great question that we're having right now because so many businesses, and I'm actually doing this with a number of people in Vegas. I'll give you some examples. They're trying to imagine what their domain, for lack of a better word, and their community looks like within that. I will say the biggest, one of the biggest components I see of the metaverse is the community aspect versus um, just, you know, you build a website and it sits there and then you're, you're doing this traditional marketing to try to bring people into your website and make sales. Web 3.0 is all about community and building that community around an environment on an interchangeable world. And so what that means really for people who are saying like, hey, I want a 3D space. For example, let's just use the UFC. They are here in town. I cannot confirm or deny that I may or may not know what they're doing next. However, Maybe. as an example, as a hypothetical example, <laughs> if the UFC, for example, wanted to throw, bro, wanted to hold a fight in the metaverse, right? Would that be actual fighters? with their avatars fighting each other? Would that be replications, like a, a digital scan of two fighters fighting? Would it be completely hypothetical? 
Or would people be able to view the fight in 3D from all over the world while the fight is happening live? So these are possibilities that one example is. What they want to see is they want to see what that 3D space looks like and where I'm, as a design consultant, I have teams of 3D artists and animators that are right now building out prototypes that we can take and we can put it into Decentraland, Sandbox, Exchange, you know, whatever that is. But it, it looks, some of them look very realistic, very much like your, your shop, your brick and mortar. Um, some of them look like just very abstract. Another client that I'm working with right now is in cannabis and she wants to create some cannabis like spaces where like almost a, like a consumption lounge or a cannabis, you go in like Jimmy John's is doing right now in Decentraland. I don't know if you saw that. Not familiar. No. Okay. I didn't personally build this, but I think it's pretty awesome. And this is a perfect example of where the future is. So Jimmy John's in Decentraland, they have a Jimmy John's store where your avatar can go in, you know, you've got your wallet attached to you. Because to get into Decentraland, we can talk about this, you have to set up a crypto wallet. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I believe that's still the case. So you've got your, your crypto wallet, your wallet attached. You go into Jimmy John's in the metaverse. It's in 3D. You're looking around like it's an actual store. It's really cool. By the way, after this, I'll send you the link it's to the video on it. Yeah. And you walk through and you get to order your sandwich, just like you would. So there's cool things on the wall. And you've got a little thing. You're like, you get to pick your bread and all your condiments and all of that. And when you hit checkout, and they're only doing this, I think, in, in select stores in Nashville and Chicago right now to just roll it out, you can hit buy now and that they will send your Jimmy John's right to your house. So you're in the metaverse having an experience picking out your sandwich, just like, and it's so much cooler than it going on like the Jimmy John's app. I, I love Jimmy John's, by the way. I love me some Jimmy John's. Um, but I'm like, how cool is that? You're hanging out in Decentraland, you're doing a thing and you going through the experience in your 3D avatar, it's like so cool. So what I'm doing with these cannabis lounges is, hey, what if we designed a space? It can look like your actual storefront. It can look like anything. It could literally be, you could be Tiki Hut on the beach somewhere, right? Whatever you want it to be, right? as we're determining where to place that, right, within some of these worlds. And walking them through the design process of e-commerce in a 3D space and what that checkout process looks like, like how would they buy your product? Where does the product live? Are they picking it up off a shelf? Is it floating in midair? Are they chasing it through a jungle? Like, what, what is this? And um, it's really exciting to see my clients light up when they realize that they're not confined to physical space or like any of those parameters. So that's just one example. Um, people want to do events. They want to have e-commerce experiences. They want to design how that looks like. And what's interesting from being a website developer for the last 15 years to now like a metaverse developer, designer, is it's all in this 3D space. And so it gives you a lot more freedom to play for sure. And so that's just a couple of examples of what I'm working with. And then I'm actually holding an event on this week for real estate agents here in, and brokers, interior designers here in Las Vegas to come and meet with 3D artists and animators to start doing some proof of concepts on what their, you know, remodels look like, like what does your closet remodel look like in 3D before you actually build it out. And so we're able to play with some like real life applications of that and then, you know, explain throughout that process what it looks like, where it would live if you actually wanted to reconstruct your house in 3D or your business or whatever that is. So 
lot, lots of real world applications popping up. And the, at the core, it's just 3D. Right. Like just think of everything in, around you being or everything digitally being more 3D. And if we work with that core, then we can create from there. So, yeah, it's so cool. Those are just a couple of examples. I'll send you the Jimmy John's thing. It was uh, once I went through the process, I'm like, man, I wish I could order this sandwich in real life. I'm like, I'm not in Nashville or Chicago. Somebody call me. Somebody in Nashville, do this thing. Do it here. And then tweet me a picture of your Jimmy John's. To see. I really want to see that process, but I'm not in Nashville. So anyway, very cool. And it's so funny because I feel like everyone's like, well, why not? All I just keep thinking about is Sims. Oh, playing yeah. Sims yeah. growing up. That's all I just keep like thinking of here. But, and I feel like as a business owner, like it's almost potential clients could be bought into your product more or like you said for like the e-commerce space it's like here's a tangible like whatever water bottle computer or whatever that looks like of you can see it or Mm -hmm. jimmy john's yeah i'm more likely to order if that were the case from a restaurant or fast food whatever that has that experience because i'm going to remember and i'm going to come back so it's so interesting to me especially if it's in the world that you're already in and and so what is cool is that the younger generation has already adapted this. Like you said, growing up playing Sims, growing up playing Roblox or Minecraft or whatever that is, or big MMOs, whatever your thing is, when you're in that world, you're used to kind of that experience. It's just, it's fascinating to me to think how quickly they're going to adapt and how much more challenging it might be for somebody who's say 50 or 60 and is like, you know, having a hard time maybe downloading an app on their phone. So I don't want to not include anyone in that process, but there are some that are just more used to it than others at this time. So it's kind of cool. Well, that's with any technology, like who was, you know, stagnant about like, the internet's not going to stay around or it's just like, even now, like TikTok's growing or how other people use platforms. It's all, I feel like always going to be a concern there, but. Well, the funniest part is technology is always evolving. So when people are like, oh, TikTok, it's going away. It's, you know, it's not serious. Well, it's interesting (laughs) because all those TikTokers are now the people who are in the metaverse, primarily using, you know, Decentraland. They're used to these things. Right. But as we see bigger brands going, hmm, you know, like Gucci and Land Rover and all of that going, how do I put something within? So basically taking this community and engaging this younger audience and saying, well, what do you guys really want? What do you want out of this? And they don't want to just... You know, I've, I feel so alone just scrolling on my phone, you know, doing whatever, but within this space, and it doesn't have to be just a fully immersive headset. Sure. You could still be on a flat screen device or whatever, but you're more likely to have an engaging experience in that space for sure. So if someone listening to this, and I know I already have, I know multiple people that are list ready for this episode to come out, I'm excited <laughs> about it, but is it like a part two and part three, or are we just going to talk for four hours? <laughs> yes, we're, we're going to have to do this. Yes, I swear. But how does someone get involved in all of this, like what you're talking about? If as a consumer, I'm like, oh, I want to get involved. I want to see what this looks like. How does someone go about doing that? There's a couple of ways. I mean, some people, a lot of people I know go out and buy an Oculus. They're like 300 bucks at that price point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as cumbersome as it used to be. I would say, that's a great question. For an actual consumer, I would say jump into Sandbox or Decentraland because those are the most popular right now and, and easiest to get into and have the most users. So Some of the other ones are a little bit trickier to get set up and all of that kind of stuff. I'm working on a couple of short courses or whatever on how do you get there faster. But I would say start with those two. You can also do those worlds on a PC, by the way. You don't have to buy an Oculus. Oh, okay. You can do those um, on a PC just to get started. Now, I will verify, but I think you had to have like a MetaMask wallet to actually get in. 
um, to set up your account. Okay. I will verify I'm upping you right after this because I don't want to misquote. It might have changed <laughs> in like the last few months. Right. But um, so understanding how to set up and that's why some of this can be really um, a lot of information to handle because it's like, oh, wait, I have to set up a, a crypto wallet. Wait, what is a crypto? How do I know how to pay right. a crypto? How do I? And then you go, oh, wait, does that is that tied to an NFT? And if I have the wallet and I get into Decentraland and I want to buy an NFT. And what's an I, NFT? What's this? Yes. <laughs> so it's almost like, well, okay, there's five buzzwords, right? Metaverse, Web3, mm-hmm. Web3.0, which apparently are two different and the same thing. Right. Um, crypto, blockchain, and NFTs. So blockchain is like the base layer, uh, like the core on what most of this is built on. NFTs are digital assets, which is interesting because if you actually think about it, we have been uploading digital assets to platforms for free for years. Yes. And we don't own them. We don't own them. That's the biggest piece. Um, And so like when I put my stuff on Facebook, you know, Instagram, Pinterest have been allowing us to build our brands and build our communities on their platform. But what most people don't know is that layer is not secure. It's not free. They're collecting data. And basically they own that. You don't actually own that picture once it's up there. Right. And when you buy a photo, like say you're a web developer, an artist, you buy a photo from uh, Shutterstock, right? That you want to put on your website. Well, you don't actually own that photo. And if you delete your website, you don't have any traction to that anymore, right? You'd have to go rebuy that that photo to use it somewhere else. And what the idea of NFTs are, are digital assets that you physically own. So say you have, you take that picture or you create that graphic for your website um, or in the 3D space, let's use it that way. Say you want to outfit, you go in and you say, you know what, I'm going to create my office in 3D. You're a therapist, for example. Here's a, I'm a coach, I'm sure. a therapist. I want to meet with clients from all the, over the world. I want them to come into an environment where it looks similar to my office. Where do you pick that chair? Um, where do you pick that couch? Those are 3D assets, but think of them like, like a photo that you would add to your website so now you have the ability to own that chair on the blockchain. You, you have a record of, I actually own this digital asset. Where it gets really cool for me is when you own the digital asset and the actual physical item in real life. <laughs> and there's one-to-one versions, right? That is cool, yes. Um, so there's a lot of possibilities there. But within that space, say you decide, you know what, I am done with Web3, I'm getting out. You could actually sell your entire office on the blockchain to the next person and have a smart contract that says, Hey, I actually, I'm not going to, I own these, I'm selling them to you. And maybe you get a profit margin every time that chair is sold for the life cycle of that digital asset. Oh, okay. But what that means is you actually have ownership of it versus I'm basically taking an asset somebody created, I'm putting it on my thing, but I don't really own that, right? You're just doing it on platforms that larger tech companies have figured out they're like, hey, if we give this to you for free, you will create. And I think the biggest thing that I'm excited about on Web3 when it comes to all of this is that it's a creator's marketplace. We're actually being incentivized and paid to create things on the blockchain that we are secure, that we own. And I think that's going to be really huge for this generation and independence and freedom in that moving away from someone else owning all of your your brand really on all of these things, a lot of components of it, right? Maybe you built the logo or whatever, but you put it somewhere and you don't really have an idea of where all that goes. I've built stuff over the years, so many things over the years that there's no proof of those anymore. They just went away, right? Or we took them down or we, whatever. Um, But now it is an environment where you're incentivized to create because you have personal ownership of that within a community. And that might be a little long-winded, but that's kind of 
those are the things that I'm excited about when it comes to like NFTs and personal ownership. And that's why people are like, oh man, I own this thing. Because they know it can't be taken away from them and nobody else can own it without being trackable. And so it makes for a really interesting, because then you're like, if it gets stolen, you can see where it goes. Somebody can't just come in and take it away from you and cut you off and shut you down. Because you're like, I can see where it goes after this. I have a map. (laughs) It's just a fascinating world um, that is being built. And then the metaverse, again, is just an overall encompassing like Think of it as like worldwide web. It's like universal web. I don't even, there's so many terms. It's hard to, um, but I think it's really just kind of encompassing the idea of the overall umbrella of a 3D immersive space built on blockchain. NFTs are the digital assets that are like floating around that people own, right? Crypto is the tokens that we're exchanging the currencies on, right? Hey, I'm going to pay you for something that you're going to pay me like within those communities, Um, Web3 is just basically what we're calling it, right? Because we went from two to three and there might be a Web4. I don't know what that's like. Hopefully lots of aliens and robots. (laughs) Lots. Um, Somebody was like, well, what about Web5? I'm like, hold on. You can't just start throwing numbers out there. You can't just jump. (laughs) Right. Someone's like, well, what about Web2.5? I'm like, wait. What? What? No. No, you can't just start. Okay. Fractional. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't make these terms up. But it's like basically just saying, hey, we're... It's getting the mass adopters, right? Because there's like people who are in tech and everyone else. It's like, here, we're just getting you used to the idea that a next iteration of this is coming and it's being built really fast. And then the metaverse is just these worlds, right? Think of like global hosting. Like this is where this is hosted. Like the best way to describe it is almost like clusters of websites that are being hosted simultaneously that connect with each other. It's hard to describe in layman's terms, but... um, Sure. Right now you build a website and you host it on GoDaddy or whatever, and you don't really know where that that website lives in relation to what's next to it. And now you will. You'll have communities of like, I choose to be part of this and create my 3D space website in this. But I also know I'm within a, a valued community, right? Versus here's a website, I'm trying to drive traffic. And every time I go into my social networks, I'm just filled with noise and all this stuff. I don't know how to stop it. So we're seeing a lot more mindfulness around the next iteration. Those five things, that's a whole lot. We'll break them down to each individual. I'm not an expert on all of those. I just know how they all kind of fit in to what we're building. Right. They intermingle. Right. Well, and it's so interesting because I feel like the connotation about like the metaverse and VR and everything happening that you've just talked about is like, oh, it's just a way to give out more information and more ways to track and, you know, whoever. Those are things I've heard before, but it's actually quite the opposite. It's the opposite. You you control right. where all of your, it's end-to-end user. So it's not just going out to this broad thing. And we don't realize that every time we're accepting cookies and we're accepting this, we're giving access to what we're doing and it's very trackable. And, and the concern, and I've worked in big tech for years and I've seen this, it's no secret. Right. All of that data is being used to manipulate where we go and the ads we see and the and how they want us to believe. I mean, we see it in election year every single time. I don't get political, but we see we, you're able to see and not see certain things. And we don't even know. When sure. we go to, Google shows you certain things based on where you are and what you've searched for in the past and who they think you are. You don't just get all of Google. And people don't realize that. They're like, I'm just Googling it. I'm like, Google's very specific to you and every single thing that you do on your phone, which is the joke. Like, oh, I just said I need to buy a dog collar for my dog. And two seconds later, Facebook's got a dog collar ad pop up. How did that happen? 
well, do you have an Alexa? You accepted all of those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you accepted all of those things. And so while that can be a little scary, it's also very freeing to know that technology is being built, that you're in control of more of that. And you can see where that data goes. And you can say, no, actually, if you want my data, if you want to know me, you can pay me, bitch. Right. I love that. That's even more. And that's, that's the mentality of like, yes, I'm a rebel at heart, by the way. I'm just like, okay, you hold on. I should be getting paid for this, right? See, I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm a nice, charming, subtle, rebellious person. <laughs> nice, charming, subtle. Now, does your daughter just think like you're the coolest person on the planet that she plays this game, that you recruit people that make the game? Or how is that at home? Because that's so cool. She used to, when I worked for Minecraft, uh, she used to go tell all her friends, my mom builds <laughs> Minecraft. And I'm like, I don't really build Minecraft. I just like... But it, like, we'll go I, with it. Yeah. Yes. Um, actually, now that she's 14, she's moved... A, she's like, mom, Roblox isn't as cool anymore. Cause she's now into like <laughs> TikTok and Charlie D'Amelio and all that stuff and makeup. Like, okay. Right. But at one point, she thought I was like the coolest mom ever. And it's interesting because there's such a disconnect between parents um, and their kids mm-hmm. and what their kids are gaming with. And I just saw it as an opportunity to get to know what she was doing, right? Rather than, because I'm like, I'm hiring the people to build this stuff. I know I know what thought process goes into it, but it's really interesting to see. And a lot of my work right now is like, oh, wait, where are all, all the cool kids hanging out, right? And so that's been part of my mission to understand really where the cool, I say the cool kids, where is everybody hanging out on the metaverse, right? right? Currently, And what can we build? What kind of spaces do we want to build for our kids that are not only safe, but also educational and give them, help them have an impact? So I don't know if I'm cool in her eyes right now. I guess I'll ask her. I feel like I'm not. I feel like she's just like, mom, (laughs) just trying so hard to be like a normal, you know, going into high school. Right. So she's my, my, uh, my case study for building all of this. Right. To basically build something for her and her friends. In five years, she's going to be, uh, maybe not five, but yeah, probably five years. She wants to be an interior designer. And I'm just literally creating a world where she has an art asset library so that she can bring clients into her VR headset and show them their remodel. I have a feeling she'll be doing this by like 16 or 17. Um, But just with that knowledge base, I'm like, how do I create her a space that she can go in and play and grow and just experiment? So that's been my biggest motivation is like, what would she, what kind of technology would she want to interact with and find enjoyable based on, you know, just how she's grown up. So, but I know a lot of parents are like, oh no, get off the video games. Video games are bad. Mine included, right? Like I grew up like, oh, get off the screen. Right. And now I'm like, and there will be a future very soon where our kids may or may not go into a classroom to do school. They may go to school and put on a headset. You know, we're preparing the kids um, to be used to an immersive experience, immersive environment. And there's so many professions right now that will have jobs in this metaverse that we need to start thinking about it now. We need to start preparing our kids now for what that looks like instead of being afraid and being like, oh, I don't know. I would never put on a headset. Yes, there will be a percentage of adults that don't. That's okay. And let's also prepare for a future where our kids are, you know, fully integrated with this technology on a daily basis. Where do you personally see the future of all of this? Like maybe we'll say two years out, even just like short term versus, you know, five to 10 years. Or do you envision this is all complete, like everything you've talked about so far is like every day. Like I wake up, I do my yoga, 
well, probably kickboxing. Let's be real. I can't do yoga, but you know, I do it on my VR and I just bought one and I'm obsessed with my Oculus, but. Oh, I was going to say, do you have one? Okay, cool. Yes. I just bought one and I'm still learning it, but. Why aren't we doing this whole thing in the matter? Just kidding. I know. Next, next one, we'll just Listen. do avatars. That'll be great. We'll film it in. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to be hitting you up after this when I'm like, okay, Jamie, what do I do with this? And what is that? <laughs> so I'm really excited. But yes. Awesome. Where do you see like, maybe like your day-to-day life, we'll say like two years, five years, what does that look like? I think the next iteration and easiest to adapt is going to be more augmented reality on our phones. Okay. Because that's the easiest way to like introduce what augmented reality really is without having to buy or put on an extra. You already have that. I think for most people, I mean, Pokemon Go kind of opened this up. Yes. That's a perfect example of just one way that technology can continue to grow. Um, so I see I see the kids and the teens being introduced to a lot more augmented reality applications. Um, for mainstream, I see it in e-commerce. I see a lot of shopping experiences. I know Amazon, Walmart's working on augmented reality. Am- definitely Amazon already has it. Um, I see a lot more integration in the next two years as your shopping experience will become either more augmented, right? Whether you're holding your phone up to something and things are happening or you're basically kind of maneuvering through a 3D application. I see a lot more of those, right? Before people get used to putting on a headset. However, on the professional side, for those already in a career, um, Accenture, which is one of the leading technology um, companies in the world right now, they were a staffing company. They're like, they they do everything. They just purchased 60,000 headsets um, in the last few months for training purposes. Walmart has a ton. I don't even, I can't, I don't want to quote the number on Walmart. Right. Um, but I know because I actually was working with Walmart's incubator two years ago under NDA. I knew that Walmart was coming out with augmented reality experiences for their shoppers before Walmart announced it. I saw this, these things happening, like your experience enhanced. So I think in the next two years, we can expect a lot more of these applications. Now, right now, the buzzword is metaverse. <laughs> um, and a lot of people are really resistant to kind of, getting into a fully immersive experience. But I think that's going to start to change as they see celebrities and big brands and influencers adapting, right? That's the early adapters. And then they're like, oh, wait, well, I've kind of been on that on my phone. Well, I would check that out. So it's those slow stages. We're not ready player one, everyone, but right. <laughs> but we're introducing those concepts, right? Like without well, movie, everyone's like, oh, well, I know what that is. Well, okay, keep going. Like it's, it's- This is how it could be. You know, that's how you explain things through, you know, media and film and influencers and celebrities, right? Introduce these concepts, make it cool, like show it how it's done, and then it'll start to pick up. But I definitely see that for the next two years as, as people are like, especially as crypto is kind of weird and people are like, I don't know, NFTs, crypto, there could be, right, a little lull in that. But overall, the technology will continue to grow. So it's like, what do we do you know, in the next few years, if it's lean or a recession or whatever, to continue to like, how do we use these applications? How do they save us money right now? We're going to be asking how, how can we automate this stuff? So it's a really cool space to be in for sure. It's so fascinating because I feel, well, we're definitely going to have you back on this podcast. <laughs> I could do, I could ask you another four hours worth of questions, but. I think we only got to do two questions. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But as we finish up here, what's kind of like any either Part one, like any advice you have for people that are interested in it, any like overarching advice, business owners, consumers to get on board with this or any words of wisdom to anyone listening? Oh, my. So that's a broad range Um, for business owners. I would say start with looking at where you're at 
your community, your marketing, your, you know, your subscribers, whatever currently, and how you can start to introduce them to your business in 3D, whatever your business model is. Maybe it's an entrepreneur, maybe it's a whatever it is. Thinking about that future being 3D and just thinking a lot of people aren't ready to jump in quite yet. They feel overwhelmed. Right. We're going to start to see more use cases. Just be ready to know that the next iteration is going to be more immersive. Okay. And then for anyone younger than that, I would just say, keep on doing what you're doing. The environment is going to be create and engage to earn. So the more that you're creative within the environments now, if you're on Roblox, keep building, keep building those houses, keep building that community. If you're, you know, in Decentraland or even just socially, take a look at what's around you. What are celebrities doing? Where do you want to go? Where are all the cool kids hanging out? That's usually my like, just try to follow like where the cool kids are hanging out. Yeah. Um, because that's usually a good indicator of like what's coming next. It's like, oh, wait. So I mean, I, I saw on LinkedIn yesterday that Paris Hilton was like, I want to be the queen of the metaverse and I want to lead women <laughs> empowerment in Web3. And I was like, bitch, please stole my title. Get out of <laughs> here. Right. But I also feel like I'm on the layer of Paris Hilton now. So, but when you have people <laughs> like Paris and Snoop Dogg and going you know, like creating experiences and spacing and being like, I need in on this thing, you know, it's not going away. So kind of follow, just be aware of where some of these influencers are putting their money and their time. And, and uh, that'll be a good indicator of what's coming next. Oh, that's so true. Well, Jamie, this was so much fun. Again, we're going to have you back <laughs> on because I have 5 million other questions. Heck yeah. But if you're interested in communicating with Jamie or using her as a consultant, there are links in this episode notes here that you can take advantage of and tune in next week for another episode of That's Business. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.